This is a Soulfire production. America had gone through a long period where people quit saying Merry Christmas. It was all happy holidays. You deliberately changed that and openly said, Merry Christmas, we're going to say it again. It was was part of my campaign, Mike. You know, the country had started with this woke, I guess, uh, a little bit before that. Yeah. And it was embarrassing for stores to say Merry Christmas. You'd see these big chains. They want your money, but they don't want to say Merry Christmas. And they'd use reds and they'd use whites and snow, but they wouldn't say Christmas. And when I started campaigning, this was in 2015, when I started campaigning, I said, you're going to say Merry Christmas again. And now people are saying it. Of course, they're not saying a lot of other things like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson. You know, those names are being obliterated because of craziness. But uh, they are saying Merry Christmas again. We got that. That was a big part of what I was doing. And I would say it all the time during that period that we want them to say Merry Christmas. Don't shop at stores that don't say Merry Christmas. And I'll tell you, we brought it back very quickly. You really did. And I think a lot of people appreciated that it was a part of the American culture. It was a part of who we are. It wasn't uh, to exclude anybody. It was just simply a celebration of what America does at Christmas. And America and the world, but America loves Christmas. Yeah. And whether you're Muslim, whether you're Christian, whether you're Jewish, everyone loves Christmas. And they'd say Merry Christmas until these crazy people came along and they wanted to stop it along with everything else. So I was very proud of that, actually. Remember, I used to say, we will say Merry Christmas again in front of these massive crowds of people. Well, that'll get you in the Christmas spirit right there. That is Donald Trump taking credit. People saying Merry Christmas. Apparently, Jewish people love saying Merry Christmas. And if you were going to shop at a store that said Happy Holidays, instead of Merry Christmas, then you were anti-American, which sounds a lot to me like cancel culture, but, (laughs) oh, hypocrisy exists across the political spectrum. It sure does, doesn't it? Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Holidays. Whatever the fuck you want to say, doesn't matter. Do what you want to do. Do what's best for you. Do what feels right for you. Because it seems like uh, Jewish people might enjoy Hanukkah more than Christmas. Maybe some people out there dig Kwanzaa. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But just know that people are saying Merry Christmas again. It had been abolished. It had been defunded. But Trump saved it. Trump saved it. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh, weird times we're living in, y'all. Biden essentially just had his presidency decapitated by Joe Manchin. And that was interesting. And here's the thing. <laughs> this dude, this Joe Manchin is, I don't like Joe Manchin. I think he's corrupt and he's generally kind of a douche, but that's that's par for the course, right, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to American politicians and probably politicians in general, but I'm more concerned with the ones that happen to be here. Um, not a big fan of what his daughter did with price gouging people for EpiPens and things like that. You know, not really a fan of his of his uh, corporate interests and special interests in the in the big pharma slash coal world. 
Although co-workers do deserve to be taken care of and deserve quality work that can take care of their families. Not a big fan of that. I'm also not a big fan of this build back better bullshit. Okay, I was. I was a big a big fan of, of, of a few of the things that were in there. Those things got completely destroyed. And it seems like what we have now is a bunch of half-ass nonsense. That wasn't really going to solve a goddamn problem, but it would make people, it would make the neoliberal fuckheads feel better about themselves. And honestly, I don't really appreciate my time being wasted so Nancy Pelosi can feel like she got something done. Because at the end of the day, Nancy Pelosi is nothing but a self-serving, inside-trading bitch. She's the Grinch whose heart keeps shrinking, baby. That's it. So I'm not super concerned with her self-esteem. And at the end of the day, that's what this bullshit was. So in this situation, I'm glad it's going down in flames. I'm glad it's going down in flames. And I didn't cover it that much because I kind of had a feeling it was going to go down in flames. You know, when you get rid of, here's the thing in this country we live in. One thing we could do a lot better job of, and I don't think this is a controversial thing to say. I don't think this makes me a socialist by any stretch of the imagination. We could probably do a better job giving people up, up, up. A possibility, a pathway to opportunity and upward mobility. And yes, you can find some outlier anecdotal stories about how that does happen certain times, some places every now and then. But wouldn't we want it to happen more? Wouldn't want that to happen more. And I think things like trade schools being paid for and a couple of years of community college being paid for would be great. I think maybe doing something to circumvent the, the pharmaceutical corruption that that in the healthcare corruption that drives our healthcare prices through the roof and leads to 60% of the bankruptcies in this country being fueled by healthcare bills. I think we could probably do something like that to give people an opportunity at a quality life. Maybe that makes me a radical leftist. I think Ben Shapiro would say that makes me a radical leftist, but I don't agree. I think that makes me a rational person. We're going to talk about that a little bit on the show today and something to think about the damage that the Democrats have done to rational discourse coming from the left. Interesting time. Oh, by the way, welcome to the Politically Homeless Podcast. Started things off a little different now because we got the Christmas episode. We're going to try to keep it light and fun today. We're going to try and keep it light and fun. I know you're probably driving to see your family or driving back from seeing your family or maybe you're cooking something in the kitchen, maybe wrapping presents. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm glad you're listening to this and I'm grateful that you're here. If you want to treat me to a beautiful Christmas gift, what you can do is join the Patreon like Lindy, Lindy, God, I love that name. Lindy's a great name. Carmela and Sarah join this week. Thank you guys so much for being there. Bonus episodes every week and more fun stuff coming, ad-free episodes, all that good stuff. Great community. The more people that are in there, the better the community is. It's weird like that, but the better discourse, better questions, crowdsourcing every bonus episode from the Patreon for the Patreon. Be sure to check that out. So we're going to talk about some stuff today. Of course, coming into the holidays, um, not a ton going on really. We could read for some things, but we'll discuss some stuff. We're going to talk about Hillary Clinton a bit. Going to talk about these new uh, remarks from the White House when it comes to vaccination and the holidays, overdose deaths. That's great. We have an interesting update on Marjorie Taylor Greene's conflict of interest, which is going to be quite interesting. Um, And again, we're going to talk about the damage the Democratic Party has done to our discourse coming from the left. As somebody who is left of center, and I know 
many of you people out there listen to me despite <laughs> despite me being uh, a little bit of a lefty in some certain aspects of my life. And yes, I think regulation is important. And I'll say that. I don't think that the market is the solution to the market's problems in many areas. In some areas, yes, I will concede. But I've also spent some time this week. Um, oh, by the way, I had a lot of time to think this week because I went and had a procedure to pull some um, some of my little swimmers, my seed, my man seed, and they had to go pull a little bit of that out of my out of my scrode. They take a... Um, a couple of different ways I can do it. Me and my wife are going through IVF right now. So 2022 could be a big year for us in expanding our family. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're working on that. And they take a they take a hollow needle, a hollowed out needle or somehow, and they, they stick that through your sack into your the part of your testicle that holds the, the, the seed. And they get it out that way. And they try on one side. If that doesn't work, they go to the other side and they try that side. And uh, if that doesn't work, they have to cut you open and they actually like bis- bisect, I think is what it's called, your, your testy, and get with a can out of there. But they only had to go on one side on me, which was which was nice uh, <laughs> because I was like really nervous about this going in. But they did suggest that I went under anesthesia. I didn't find out till I was about to go into the, uh, into the OR um, that I could have not taken anesthesia. That was never presented as an option to me. Uh, and that shit fucked me up for days, for days. I mean, I'm talking like at least three kind of four days I was still lingering today I felt better uh, for the most part but my head was so cloudy it felt like somebody first it felt like Mighty Mouse had just punched me right in the right nut I mean it was pretty uncomfortable better now um, and I'm super glad I didn't have to have stitches or anything like that it was just a just the needle just a poke they got plenty of what they needed and they went in there and got some extra man they went in for extra innings on that shit so got that done but that anesthesia man if I could do it again I would <laughs> I would rather go in there raw nothing. Just put that needle in me. I'll just deal with it. Then deal with that anesthesia headaches for four days. I don't get headaches that often. Not really my thing. Maybe I don't have coffee for a couple of days. I'll go through some caffeine withdrawals, but I was at about 40% cognitive capacity for two a full two days. And it's rough. And the funny thing is, you know, you pay for that and it is what it is, but they don't wait. That's the thing is that they just administer this shit, right? They don't wait. It's like, Hey, let's just find out if we can just do lidocaine and local anesthesia and, uh, and, and get me numbed out and see if that works. Right. And I can deal with the pain. I don't want to have to deal with the repercussions. I can just be sore, but I can still come in here and do my job. You know, I can do my work. I can do what I'm, I'm trying to do. I it was 0% chance I was gonna be able to do a show the past three days because of that. And it's like, <laughs> I find out when I'm going into the OR that some people do this without anesthesia. And I'm like, why was that option not presented to me? And I understand it makes it easier for the doctor and these different things, whatever. But the anesthesia person, in this case, it's the whole justification was that in case they had to cut me open, they'd have to have me under anesthesia. And I was like, all right. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But having a look at back at it now, I'm thinking, well, that anesthesiologist could have got paid just to stand there. I mean, we could have paid her the same. I would have paid her the same $550 or whatever it was. This is not a cheap process. Um, to just be there just in case. Like, hey, we got to go in. And she's like, all right, boom. Because when they hit you with that anesthesia, man, it's like I moved from the little bed they wheeled me in on to the other, to the other bed. And then as soon as my, I like, lay down, and then, bam, I'm out. I wake up in the recovery room. Um, interesting stuff. Strange times. But we got it done. Had to walk funny for a couple days. Still got some bruising. Probably TMI, but... You're a part of my life, <laughs> but it's weird. They just give you this shit. It's like, Hey, 
I wish you could just lay out my options for me, dog. Like, just lay them out. Like, let's 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 uh, let's figure out a game plan for this together. You know, let's be together on this. And they also also gave me like twenty um, hydrocodone, which I kept. I mean, they, they gave me the prescription. I kept them, but I just, out of principle, I'm a pharmaceutical minimalist. And someone asked me today, like, what that means. What does it mean to be a pharmaceutical minimalist? And that's a good question because I've said that term a few times, but I've never really um, defined it. And to me, what that is, is only taking pharmaceutical drugs when all other options have been exhausted and tried. Um, now, in there's certain situations, right? You got like, you got a, a, a kind of a, a waterborne parasite or something, which does happen with people like me that are out in the woods and purifying your own water and stuff. Sometimes something can slip through or something gets on the, on the, on the, the drinking part of the, like a, a nozzle or something like that happens, right? So antibiotics, you got to take them. But then again, antibiotics aren't cost-free, right? Take a strong antibiotic that kills all the good bacteria in your gut that is very important. So after taking antibiotics, which I did have to take um, because I had this, 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 this procedure, um, not strong ones, but I had to take antibiotics, which I know affects my gut biome. And I will have to do some things after taking antibiotics to regrow some some good bacteria in my gut, right? Taking some prebiotics and probiotics, things like that, eating certain foods that'll help support the regrowth of the good bacteria in my gut that is essential for life, right? But no one else also, no one tells you that. They don't tell you that. They say, oh, these antibiotics, they don't have, there are no side effects. Well, there are. But there's no, there's no such thing as a free lunch when it comes to your own biology, right? Like for right now, so we're, we're going through this process of IVF. Like I'm excited to get back on testosterone, when I was a strength sport athlete, I was on testosterone, like a lot of other strength sport, strength sport athlete, athletes. I miss it. I, I got off of it. I got my hormone levels back to normal. I'm glad I did. It's been four or five years now or something like that. And I'm like, all right, I'm in my mid-30s. Um, I like the cognitive benefits of testosterone, I like the physical benefits. I think the cost-benefit analysis makes sense for me. Is that, hyper, is that hypocritical because I don't really like pharmaceutical drugs? Maybe it is, but I've made that cost-benefit analysis for myself and I'm making choices for myself, right? And I'll get a po appropriate blood work and make sure that what I'm doing is healthy for the long term. Those are all very important things to me. But when you look at this thing, and if, if we just approached, if we had a normalized approach to our healthcare, I said, hey, there are always consequences. Right, I didn't take that hydrocodone, and I have it in the house just in case something really bad happens. Right, that's totally feasible. That I'm out here working in our on our property, and I fall down off the hill and I break my leg, and like we got to wait a little while for the ambulance to get here. Maybe those pain meds will come in handy. I don't know. Right, there's a situation where I could take pain medication for sure, but not over just some general soreness and a fucking headache. And I dealt with that headache because I wanted to feel what it was like, what the consequences of anesthesia are, right? It's like, oh, no big deal. You're just going under a deep anesthesia. It's not, you're not going to have to be on a, on a ventilator or anything like that or any assisted breathing. Just, you're going to be sleeping. It's just not consequence free, you know? And I want to feel that in the same way that if I do MDMA, right? For some, like a therapeutic dose of MDMA for some kind of self-work, Sometimes, you know, you take some little 5-HTP, but you need to deal with those consequences, right? I know people who will take that, and then in order to recover from that, will take Xanax. It's like, well, you're kind of cheating, right? Sometimes I think it's important to deal with the consequences of an action and to be fully informed about the consequences of an action, right? That's informed consent. 
And I think it's part of being a responsible human being to understand and be responsible for the consequences of your actions. And maybe I'm getting a little preachy here and a little self-healthy, but I don't know. It's just a thought, right? And maybe that's something the world needs. Maybe it is. But as I was alluding to earlier, and I'm kind of all over the place because it's a pre-Christmas episode. We're just rambling a little bit today. We're just having a good time. <laughs> having to come to terms with my own libertarianism, which is very strange for me to say. I'm having to come to terms with the fact that I may have and will likely have to vote for Republicans in 2022 and 2024. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats either, but I really don't like fucking Republicans. One of the reasons for that is that bullshit that you just heard at the beginning of this show. Huckabee just sucking Donald Trump's Christmas cock. Like, what? Are you seriously now taking? You're taking credit for people saying "Merry Christmas, Trump." Really? You have you learned nothing? And then, of course, Huckabee. What are you do, on Newsmax now? By the way, I thought they had into a Fox News show, which I don't keep in touch in touch with that kind of shit. But what is happening? Are we really? Are we? Are we resurrecting the war on Christmas? Are we going to have Christian Karens yelling about uh, Starbucks cups again? Come on, guys. <laughs> like, like that's that shit. The culture war from the right with anything outside of vaccines, even Second Amendment shit gets on my fucking nerves. Like I was having this conversation today with somebody. There's a gun range that I want to join, a gun club that I want to join here in Golden, Colorado. And you have to be an NRA member to do that, to join their club, which I think is very odd because that's kind of like a tax on joining their club, right? So you have to support a lobby organization to join a club, which I think is kind of contradictory to the belief of, you know, freedom and personal choice. But fuck me, right? Maybe I'm full of shit. And I won't do it. I won't fucking do it. I can't join the Golden Gun Club now because I don't want to be in the fucking NRA. I can support Ducks Unlimited, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, all these conservation groups that I see what they do. I see and I get to experience what they do. When I watch the NRA fucking heads buying six-figure suits and, you, and, and yachts, that doesn't really give me a lot of faith in the work that they're doing. What it seems to me is that they're taking advantage of well-meaning people, and we need a different organization that actually has some fucking principles and aren't just a bunch of right-wing grifters, right? But I'm having to come to terms with my own libertarianism growing inside of me out of sheer frustration. And there's a resentment for myself within that growing libertarianism, right? Because I've always been kind of a civil libertarian. Like, dude, if you want to do drugs, you want to do what you want to do, as long as you're not hurting anybody, like, do, do, what it, do what you need to do. You know, do what you want to do. I also think that, and, and here's the fun thing, right? I think, <laughs> this is, and this may be, this is what, may, this is a politically homeless statement, right? And if you agree with this, that's why you're here, I guess. I think you should be able to, do whatever drugs you want to do. You have complete freedom with your own consciousness, right? And I also think that if you need to get some help, some treatment for your drug abuse, well, I think you should be able to do that too. And it shouldn't be a cost prohibitive situation. I think mental health care should be subsidized for people that need it. I think going to quality rehab shouldn't cost you $1,000 a week. You know what I'm saying? 
So here I am talking about freedom and handouts in the same goddamn sentence. To me, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense, but maybe I'm an outlier. I don't know. But it's a weird time, and it's just at this point, I think this push of people towards the right is just coming from a sheer sense of this this deep down, leave me the fuck alone feeling. You know? Like, can I just be left the fuck alone to live my life? Can I just go shopping at the grocery store without being hassled? Can I just get a cup of coffee? And then can you imagine living in Australia where it's like, can I just ride my bike by myself in a park without being arrested for having my mask on improperly? You know? <sighs> strange, strange times. Strange times. But I've got a little libertarian tumor growing inside of my brain. I'm not mad at it, but it's taken some time to cope that I may have to vote for fucking Republicans. Don't like it, but it is what it is. Let's get to the state of things right now. President Biden, President Biden uh, released some remarks after meeting with members of the COVID-19 response team. And I think the funny thing is, I'm going to read this whole thing. The funny thing is, I think the only person that's worse than me when it comes to reading things out loud is actually Joe Biden. <laughs> it's Joe Biden and then me. Uh, at the bottom of the list when it comes to being capable of reading things out loud well. But I've gotten better. And it's funny, I knew that going into this, and I just went for it anyways. All right, 8.48 p.m. from the Roosevelt Room. The president, colon. Oh, that's funny, because he poops himself. Um, <laughs> president, colon. Folks, I'm not going to take questions today because I have a direct message to the American people. And tomorrow... The team is going to be on television talking in more detail about what I'm going to be speaking about today. But I wanted to send a direct message to the American people. Due to the steps we've taken, Omicron has not yet spread as fast as it would have otherwise done, and as is happening in Europe. Hmm. But it's here now, and it's spreading, and it's going to increase. I love this part. For unvaccinated... We are looking at a severe winter of illness and death. If you're unvaccinated for themselves, their families, and the hospitals, they will soon overwhelm. But there's good news. If you're vaccinated and you've had your booster shot, you're protected from severe illness and death. Period. Number two, booster shots work. Three, boosters are free, safe, and convenient. About 60 million people have one have been boosted. So go get your shot today. Go get boosted if you've had your first two shots. If you haven't, go get your first shot. It's time. It's time. It's past time. And we're going to protect our economic recovery if we do this. We're going to keep schools and businesses open if we do this. Conditional. That's great. <laughs> and I want to see everyone around enjoy that. 
I want to see them enjoy the fact that they're able to be in school, that businesses are open, and holidays are coming. Really. That's, that's, how, we're go- that's how we're doing this. If you do this thing that I want you to do, then you can do basic shit in the world. <laughs> you have access to basic freedoms. Give me a break. So get your booster, booster shot. It's critically important. And if you haven't, if you haven't gotten your booster shot, get your first shot. We're in a situation where 83% of American people who have gotten, have gotten one shot, 12 years or older, 400,000 shots per day now. 202 are fully vaccinated. 202 million are fully... This is, dude, I cannot read what this... this is that they're writing this as the, in the way that he speaks, which is with fucking complete incompetence. 57, excuse me, 50... <laughs> I forget this is a transcript of what he said. 57, excuse me, 570, excuse me, I don't want to read. I'm not sure I got the number right. The total number of boosters is what? <laughs> Fauci, 57 million. Sorry, I didn't read the back half of this before the show. The president, 57 million boosters, 1 million a day. Uh, so, but the whole point is, Omicron is here. It's going to start to spread much more rapidly in the beginning of the year, and the only real protection is to get your shots. If you get one shot and you haven't gotten it yet, it'll help. <laughs> if you're at a point where, you're, where, you, <laughs> where you have everything, including your booster, you're in really good shape. So move now. Move now. Thank you all very much. I forget that that was a transcript. That's my bad completely. I thought he wrote that. I thought somebody else wrote it for him. But that listen to this. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for themselves, their families, and the hospitals they'll soon overwhelm. I mean, come on, guys. Is that necessary or appropriate? And let's just say this. I don't I don't know. This number the 83% number is kind of astonishing to me. But if you have 83% of people who have gotten one shot, right? Isn't that a isn't that enough? Wasn't Herd immunity at like 70%? Or no, that was one of Fauci's lies. That was one of Fauci's well-intentioned lies. Right? If so many, if this many people get vaccinated, I remember that. Let's let's see. I, I'm gonna see if I can go find that later. If this many percentage of people get vaccinated, I have herd immunity. Oh, well, no, 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 now it's this people. And this many people. It's 80% now. No, no, it's 90%. Now it's 100 fucking percent of people need to get vaccinated for us to get herd immunity, even though you can still transmit and spread the virus with the vaccine. Oh, the moving goalposts, man. It's odd. It's odd. This is poor form. This is as bad as Trump taking taking credit for Merry Christmas being said at all. Oh, weird times. Weird times indeed. And it seems like uh, the boosters weren't a part of the deal. And I understand, right? Like, hey, we didn't know it was a, you know, whatever pandemic, yada, yada, yada. But they weren't really a part of the deal. But they seem like to seamlessly have become a part of the deal. You know? That's a weird, that's a weird phenomenon. And it's like the idea of getting, having to get four shots within a year, right? It's not like, okay, you got to get one every three years or five years, which could be reasonable, I guess. Four shots in a year to deal with something that has a, what, 99.7% survival rate? Interesting stuff. And we're going to get to more of that later on in the show, but I wanted to read those remarks from the benevolent president, the keeper of safety, the protector of your wellness, Joseph R. Biden. 
So you may have noticed that Hillary Clinton has kind of come out of the woodworks. Lately, she read her uh, 2016 uh, victory speech um, with tears in her eyes and all that stuff on whatever CNN or MSNBC, I'm sure. Um, really emotional. Everybody really feels for Hill Dog. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and what we've seen kind of floated as of late, because Hillary is 74 years old. Um, so she'll be under 80, which I guess is, as long as you're under 80, you're, you're qualified to be the fucking president, you old bastards. Anyways, so she's, she's ripe. She's a spring chicken, I guess, compared to these people. We're seeing this idea of Hillary 2024 floated, which one just highlights how disconnected the DNC is from fucking reality. Do you want to drag this woman some more? So this is a very critical article from The Hill. I recommend you guys go find this. Hillary 2024, given the competition, she may be the Dems' best hope. <laughs> there may be a rematch coming in 2024 uh, for the White House, but we're not talking about, God help us, Biden versus Trump number two. <laughs> Instead, 2016 Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton is an interesting prospect to consider when looking at the looking for a viable candidate, particularly, particularly as, it, if it, as an 80-something Joe Biden decides not to seek a second term. And why would he? Just 22% of voters want him to seek a second term, according to the blah, 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 blah poll. Um, it doesn't get much better when polling only Democrats. There were 36% want to see the president running... Uh, only 36% want to see the president run again with a juggernaut candidate named someone else coming in first with 44%. And it's hilarious. 20% are unsure. 36% want Biden run again. And 44% of Democrats say literally anyone the fuck else. Right? So we see this deal where Hillary, and you can tell by Hillary's kind of behavior that she's like kind of thinking about it. Kind of thinking about it. And I just wanted to play with this a little bit, right? Can you imagine, right? So it was actually a pretty close race in 2016. Trump won, and then Hillary spends the next four years complaining about how the election was stolen, which apparently only Democrats can do. Um, <laughs> it's like the, literally the words came out of her mouth, right? You can run the best campaign, uh, win the candidacy, fraudulently, of course, because the DNC email leaks via Julian Assange showed that she was given questions beforehand, and there was corruption within the DNC to keep Bernie Sanders out, when really the what we should have seen, whether you like Bernie Sanders or not, what we should have seen in 2016 was Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. That rec represented America. And two anti-establishment candidates. But we couldn't have that because the DNC is a cesspool of corruption. Anyways, but the idea that there are people in this world, a substantial number of people in the, in the, in the liberal intelligentsia, I think Hillary Clinton is the solution to Trumpism is one of the most wild ideas I've ever heard in my life. Hillary Clinton in the Clintonism is the breeding ground, is the soil that Trumpism grew from. Trump got its roots into the soil of Clintonism, gained so much strength that it was able to grow a robust, fruit, fruiting-bodied tree out of that soil of Clintonism. Between NAFTA destroying, destroying American jobs, right? That's Bill Clinton for you, right? That's, that's modern neoliberalism in its, in its infancy, is Bill Clinton. You see what the Democratic Party is now? The party of, uh, of, of white, of white college-educated fuckheads that work in skyscrapers and live in metropolitan areas? Neoliberal douches? That started with Clinton. This used to be the party of FDR, right? But now, it's the party of Bill Clinton. And let me say, which, which one of those makes the most sense, Right? Which one of those would you rather have the Democratic Party represent? Whether you like FDR or not. 
It brings balance. So this idea that Hillary Clinton might throw her a ring, I, I can't even imagine this woman getting through a primary. Like, can you imagine? But then who, do, who else do you have? Cory Booker? Uh, Buttigieg? No. Kamala Harris? Fuck no. Like, who else is there? There's nobody. There's nobody. Mr. Garrison from South Park could literally win this election if he ran in 2024, if he ran as a Republican, I believe. I really do. I really do. It's strange that this, the, the, the gap between the modern Democratic Party and, and just the people of the country has grown so big. Right? Let's think about how all of a sudden this term Latinx came out of nowhere and is now adopted by CNN and MSNBC, right? And liberal elites on Twitter. And it turns out 40% of Latino and Latina people think it's offensive. But it doesn't matter because they're the problem. That's the common denominator with, with Democrats. If they lose, it's because of the voters. The voters didn't turn out. It's never their responsibility. It's not because they can't get shit done and all they do is give lip service to social justice issues while completely overlooking the candidates and the policies that would disproportionately impact people of color and people that are dis economically disadvantaged, right? Can't, I don't know. And then when Nancy Pelosi gets asked about uh, uh, her insider trading behavior, which is overt, she's like, well, it's a free market economy and people in Congress should be able to participate in that. Those are the kind of people that think Hillary Clinton is a quality candidate. And it's embarrassing. And it's done so much damage to this country. Now, do I think the Republican discourse is productive? I think it's anti-productive on purpose. But at least it's on brand for them, right? That's what you would expect from the Republicans. Is as little change as possible, <laughs> right? Which sometimes is good. And sometimes is awful. But the idea that, 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 that Hillary is even considering this for herself. Can you imagine a Hillary-Trump rematch in 2024? First, you have two geriatric fucks that have no right running this country. Right? Have we had, haven't we had enough of that? Right? Have we not seen what people at, 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 at an age where they start to cognitively decline? What that's like as a president? And I know people think that Trump is, a lot, is very spunky and he's got his thing and he does he's very, you know, whatever. He's old as fuck, guys. I know he's orange, so it kind of hides it, but guys, come on. And I don't see, if, if Trump wants it, he'll probably get it. I don't, I, I, the best thing that could happen on the Republican ticket is that Trump runs in the primary and loses. And loses. And if he can keep his shit together and not say that it was some kind of stolen primary within the Republican Party, it could be good for the Republican Party. It could be good, or maybe they split off and create two parties. Who knows? Which would be really bad for the Republican Party and really great for the Democrats so they can keep being do-nothing assholes and win. But the idea that, that they've got to be scrambling for options now. There is not a winner in the limelight on the Democratic side of things. There is not. I mean, and I think the one person, and I've been thinking about this, the one person that I see that could possibly do something is Raphael Warnock out of Georgia. And I watched him just demolish, what's that woman's name, Lori Loeffler? 
I watched him just demolish her in a debate. And he was flanking her on the left and the right. And that's the kind of person it's going to be. But do you want to burn a candidate like that who has real presidential potential as a pragmatic Democrat, which is rare, right? Also a pastor, also a black man, right? Touches a lot, checks a lot of boxes there, which is actually important, and we all know that's important. And representation is important. I will say that. Would you want to burn someone like that in 2024 when you have the least popular positions imaginable? Somebody who can win, you don't want to burn that in 2024. You want somebody to lose. And I would like to see Hillary Clinton lose again to anybody. But this disconnect is, is gaping. It is gaping, and it is interesting to watch. And I wanted to bring that to y'all's attention because we're having this light, fun Christmas episode. <laughs> Let's move on. After this whole Christmas holiday thing, you're probably not going to be feeling the most healthy, right? Even if you eat well and do a pretty good job of like figuring your shit out, you're still sitting in a car a lot or in an airport, and you're breathing in that dirty airport air through a mask that also has all your germs floating around in it and being gross. I mean... <laughs> you're not going to be in the best shape. You may be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I don't know. But I got some things for you. And that's today's show sponsors, Cured and Elemental Labs. Let's start off with Element. Because I haven't really ever, in all the ad reads, I haven't ever just gone through the ingredients of this beautiful, delicious, salty electrolyte beverage from the man, the myth, the legend, Rob Wolf. <clears throat> Element Recharge, which is what you're getting in the packs, right? Which is what you're going to get for $5 if you use drinkelement.com slash wanders, right? It's got 1,000 milligrams of sodium. 1,000 milligrams. You may think, that's too much sodium. It's not. You've been lied to by the CDC, the FDA, the American Heart Association. I mean, the number of FDA guidelines that I violate in my incredibly healthy life every day is fucking astonishing. And drinking Element is one of those things. Also eating rare meat and runny eggs. Weird, huh? I'm still alive. Funny how that works. Anyways, Element Recharge, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesiums, zero motherfucking anythings of sugar. Zero. Not one iota of sugar up in this bitch. Now, if we compare that to a popular electrolyte beverage, namely probably Gatorade, 230 milligrams of sodium, 65 milligrams of potassium, zero magnesium, which is really helpful, 29,000 milligrams of sugar, which is like 29 grams of sugar. So 29,000 milligrams of sugar. Do you need it? Do you need that? If you are drinking some sports drink bullshit and you're listening to this show, you are doing yourself a disservice, my friends. Now, here's what you can do. You can get a, a variety pack of Element at drinkelement.com slash wonders. Drink, D-R-I-N-K, L-M-N-T dot com slash wonders. The link is in the show notes of this show. Literally, you can scroll down right now, hit that link, and get yourself a variety pack. All you have to do is cover shipping. Check it out. You can also look at the science, the ingredients, the story of this amazing company that is an American company, which is also just makes it even better. You can be patriotic and healthy as fuck. You know what? You know what? If you are hydrated, you are protected against thirst. If you are hydrated... You are protected against thirst. There are no breakthrough cases of thirst when you have element. 
And sometimes what I do is I'll take my first dose of element, then a second dose later that day, and then sometimes I'll take a booster dose of element to really up my protection against thirst. Stay protected. Get element. Drinkelement.com slash Wanders. Now let's talk about, that's Wanders with an A, everybody. Let's talk about the bundles from our boys over at Cure Nutrition. And then I say boys, but it's really, it's, 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 a, it's a ladies and guys, and there's a very cute small baby that is involved in this company in some form or fashion just by being the, the, the daughter of the founder. Very small, very, very cute baby. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, they got, (laughs) they got these guys. I got up at one o'clock this morning, so it's, it's been a weird day. Um, they've got really kick-ass bundles. Now, of course their product, their marketing, their branding, their mission, their sourcing is all just top fucking notch. Let's just be real about that at the onset of this ad read. Okay. That wasn't the case because CBD companies just throw money at podcasters. I don't know if you know this or not from behind the scenes. They just throw money at us. And most of the time, it's vials of hot fucking garbage. I don't, and I could have seven CBD sponsors for the show if I wanted to, but I wouldn't do that because most of it is, is actual literal trash. And finding good shit out there because it is so trendy is really hard. Finding good, high-quality CBD is really hard. And also finding it for the parts of the day where you think you need it, where you feel, because you know yourself, you know your life. Are you not a morning person? Well, maybe you need to take some rise. You know, it's more of a morning-geared CBD blend with, with other medicinal mushrooms and things that are just good to get you going at that time of day. Also, if you're sleeping like shit, right, especially right now with the holidays going on, you could be everything's all up in the air and your schedule's all wacky and you're not working out. Maybe you need some sleep, right? You can get some zen. They have low dose, higher dose. It's incredible. Stuff for your pets. And the and I think the bundles are really where it's at. I mean, the sleep bundle, the relief bundle, bundle with the CBD, the extra strength uh, salve, which I bring up every time. Of course, the dog treats. If you have a dog that's traveling in the car, anxious on a road trip, something like that, I mean, do yourself a favor and get your dog some D- CBD treats. They're going to be napping back in the back just having a great old time. Anxious dogs, it's not fun for the dog, it's not fun for you. Get yourself some puppy CBD. All this is at Cured. Now, if you're going to go pick one bundle, I'd say if you have a pet, get that pet bundle, add it on. But go ahead and get that daily dose bundle. Now, what you got to do is go to curednutrition.com. The link is in the show notes to this as well. Of course, I make it easy for you. And then uh, use promo code HOMELESS at checkout. And you're going to get 10% off and free shipping. And since that shipping is going to be free, you might as well load up, my friends, load up. Man, there's so much good stuff on here. Now I'm kind of like shopping as I do the ad read. Funny how that works. Uh, CuredNutrition.com, promo code HOMELESS. Link is in the show notes to Cured and Element and the Patreon community. Enjoy all of these goodies. It's too late to get them for Christmas for anybody, but get them for yourself to start the new year off right. Now let's get back to the show. Well, speaking of democratic strategy going forward, this video came up on my radar, and this is actually from September of 2021. So I didn't see this until just now, which I find astonishing. But it was on my radar, and I thought I'd let you guys know what we're looking at here. So let's just check this out. This is called Remove Ron, the Forever Purge. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of your cabin crew, We'd like to inform you that we have officially entered Florida airspace. 
Now that we're making our final descent, please watch this short message from Governor Ron DeSantis on COVID-19. Thereafter, everyone on board will be required to comply with the state's forever purge. We are not doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in this state. We are not gonna be bludgeoning people with restrictions and mandates and lockdowns or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis stated, while you're within state lines, you do not have to wear a mask. You do not have to get a vaccine. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks or vaccines. And you have the absolute right to infect whoever you want, whenever and wherever with COVID-19. Thank you for traveling with us. And please, enjoy your forever purge. COVID-19 is surging again. This is the time to double down. The governor is doubling down. He says students shouldn't be forced to wear masks. If you are trying to lock people down, I'm going to stand in your way. Florida just requested 300 new ventilators. Hospitals are filling up here. There is evidence that children are making up much higher cases that are emerging. The numbers continue to rise across Florida. This fall, don't breathe in. This is insane. The Forever Purge, coming to a theater and live streaming networks near you. That's somebody. Now, here's the thing. I think, let's see, paid political advertisement for the Remove Ron. One, yeah, yeah. So there is, it's the Remove Ron committee that's putting this together. I have to think. I have to think this is some kind of like right-wing shell group that put this out because if this is an actual strategy, if this is an actual ad that somebody made in earnest to try and win an election, they are so fucking disconnected from reality that it is hard to wrap your mind around. You literally, just, you literally ran an ad against Ron DeSantis in Florida on the premise of giving people less freedom. And yeah, 50,000 people have died in Florida and 207,000 have died in New York. What are we talking about here? Generally speaking, based on the uh, the data, I don't know. It's not that's not important to a lot of people, but like the data says that with one of the largest old populations, I think the largest old elderly population in the country, right? They've had lower deaths when adjusted for age than California. Two sunny states with beaches. One of them had their beaches fucking shut down. You couldn't go play beach volleyball. You couldn't get outside. You couldn't get that beautiful vitamin D. You couldn't get a tan. You couldn't go swimming. You couldn't ride your bike. None of that. None of that. In one state, you could. You'd go fishing. You'd get out and have a good time. Now, because of his policies, some of the water's polluted, and that's a very conservative thing that they just allow to happen without consequence which I have problems with. But generally speaking, you're not going to win in Florida by saying, hey, our economy hasn't completely collapsed and people can kind of live their own fucking lives uninhibited. We should stop that. That's the move. Really? Really? You think that's a winning strategy? If this is the strategy for Democrats to try and win red states in 2022... 
You're going to see it be even more embarrassing than what I thought it was going to be beforehand. Who put this together? Who thought this was a good idea? You just compared Florida to a movie about lawlessness, which, by the way, is really a a, a, a metaphor for the class divide that exists within our country. It's a pretty potent metaphor at that when it comes to The Purge and The Purge films. So, this really happened. This is a real thing, I think. And I think that it seems like Ron DeSantis would have done if I If I was him, I would have done this myself. It just made them look bad, right? Run some propaganda, a little sneaky sneaky in there. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. It does not seem like that's the case. It's going to be a bloodbath for whoever the Democratic candidate is in Florida. Because all that they have to do is show this ad. All that any Republican that wants to win in any state has to do is show this ad and be like, this is the, this is the other option. This is the way those people think. Complete ineptitude. Complete incompetence. And a complete detachment from reality. The forever purge. If I were to ask you, what do you think the leading cause of death is based on what you hear on TV, what you hear in the public discourse? If I was to ask you what the leading cause of death is for folks the ages of 18 to 45, what would you say? COVID? Car accidents? Myocarditis, maybe? It's actually fentanyl overdoses. Leading cause of death among 18 to 45-year-old Americans revealed, and it is, it is not COVID-19. Fentanyl overdoses have become the leading cause of death for Americans aged 18 to 45, according to a new study which shows deaths related to the drug overtaking COVID-19 and suicide. Between 2020 and 2021, 78,795 adults in the age bracket died from the drug, with 2021 deaths drive. Uh, deaths rising by nearly 4,500 over the year before, according to a report released by the organization Families Against Fentanyl. Fentanyl now kills more 18 to 45 year olds than suicide, COVID-19, and car accidents, with the number of deaths experienced experiencing a particularly sharp rise since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Fentanyl is tied to 64% of all U.S. drug fatalities. The U.S. imposed sanctions on four Chinese drug companies this week after accusing them of trafficking fentanyl into the country. Beijing denounced their erroneous decision and encouraged the U.S. government to look for causes of the abuse of fentanyl from within. Both have a point because a lot of fentanyl comes from China to Mexico and then across the border that way. So there's a point there. Also, yes, look for causes of abuse for fentanyl within. Some analysts have linked the rise in overdoses deaths to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has kept uh, vulnerable statistics away from or vulnerable addicts, excuse me, away from aid and distant from families and from seeing each other. So anything that you had, like any NA meetings, things like that weren't happening because of COVID and those people weren't getting the support they need led to overdoses and a lot of suicides as well, because they felt very alone. And, and that's a, that's not the place you want to be when you're an addict that's trying as in, that's in recovery. However, overdose deaths, particularly those caused by opioids, are rising before the coronavirus pandemic, and overprescription of opioid painkillers, yeah, has also been blamed as a contributing factor to America's drug problem. So yeah, a lot of moving parts here. 
A lot of moving parts here. Now, there's only a simple solution that could really save a lot of lives, right? Because that's, that's, the, that's the mode we're in as a, as a country right now is saving a lot of lives. Am I correct? That seems to be what we're doing. That's why we're vaccinating fucking children. That's why we're locked in our homes in many places. That's why there's limited capacity. That's why people are losing their jobs and their businesses. Aren't we doing all of this shit to save lives? Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? And at any expense, any expense to save lives, am I right? And if there was only a solution, a simple solution to this problem. Oh, wait, hang on a second. This is a drug purity test kit. It's very easy to use. They have them for cocaine, uh, cocaine cutters, cocaine purity test kit, Molly MDMA test kit, heroin, heroin purity test kit. They're $50 a piece and there are 10 test kits per package. Why aren't these fucking everywhere? And why aren't they almost, if not completely free? Isn't that something we can get behind as a nation saying, hey, we're clearly really shitty at this drug war business. We're really shitty at keeping people off drugs. There are numerous, I mean, hundreds of thousands of deaths of despair every year. Every year. Pandemic or no. Here's a way you can find out if the drugs that you're taking have fentanyl in them or any other nefarious cutters that people use all the time. Because you're not going to legalize and regulate. You're not going to decriminalize because the prison industrial complex is so robust and has a lot of swing. The least we can do is give people the resources to not fucking kill themselves. How is that so much to ask? We're so worried about something that has a 99.7% survival rate. We can't even get our shit together when it comes to something that's killed millions of people. And we're also just shitty as a country at taking responsibility for the circumstances that lead people to addiction. We ostracize and villainize addicts and lock up addicts and ruin people's fucking lives over what? What do you think leads people to addiction? Yes, overprescription of opioids. Yes, absolutely. Also, severe depression, ostracization, abuse, shitty parents, vacant parents that aren't there, getting around the wrong crowd when you're a teenager, don't know how to make your own decisions and feel pressure to do things, and all of a sudden you're a fucking addict. Go watch The Wire. Go watch The, the Wire from episode one to the finale. That'll give you a good fucking idea of what it's like to live in many of these neighborhoods in many of these communities, in impoverished communities. We have so much, we have so much, the, the liberal intelligentsia have so much empathy for anybody. Everybody. All these things, we'll spend all this money to make whatever. Why can't you go into any CVS store and say, hey, I need a free drug purity test. Any Walgreens, any drugstore anywhere, any convenience store. And they've got a stack of these fuckers in the back that are allotted so people can test their heroin, test their Coke, test their MDMA themselves. It would save tens of thousands of lives a year. Put them in the homeless shelters. 
Put them in the soup kitchens. It's a fucking joke. I, I'm a fucking dickhead on the internet. That's what I am. I'm a loud mouth on the internet. That's, that's who, what's what I do. And I just created a plan to save tens of thousands of American lives every year. And what would it cost us? 10 billion, 15 billion, which is what? 4% of our goddamn military budget. How many lives does our military save? I would like to, I would, I would assume that that's a net negative actually. And that's not the fault of our servicemen and women at all. That's the fault of the military industrial complex that pulls their fucking strings. And also, who were a lot of these addicts that are overdosing? Veterans. So whatever angle you want to take here, whatever angle you want to take, generally saving lives, saving police lives, maybe keeping our first responders from having to fucking deal with opioid overdoses all day, every day. I can't, I can't think of one argument against the plan that I just propositioned. They're there. They exist. They're easy to use. If you can shoot yourself up, you can fucking figure out a way to use a purity test. <sighs> I, this, this does, and I, I, you guys know that I talk about this on the show as every time there's news about it because this matters so much to me. I've seen addiction. I've been around it. I've experienced it as a child. And if I did not have my grandparents to save my ass from being around that, who knows where I'd be. So it's really easy for me to empathize with people who struggle with this because people that I love struggle with this. And maybe if you're disconnected from it in your goddamn suburb, you don't see it. But addicts' lives matter. Regardless of fucking race or socioeconomic status or education level, their lives fucking matter. And if we can't institute some kind of simple program to make sure that we can do something to mitigate this damage, then what the fuck are we, what right do we have what right do we have as Americans to call ourselves the best country in the fucking world? Our arrogant asshole fucking narcissistic selves want to call ourselves the best country in the world. We can't even keep people from fucking killing themselves with drugs. Because our ego is too big as a country. Our ego is too big to take responsibility for our fucking actions and take responsibility for the reality that we live in. It's somebody else's fault. It's the liberals' fault. It's the Republicans' fault. It's the drug war. It's Reagan, it's Nixon, it's Clinton, and the crime bill, and Biden, and this and that. How about you shut the fuck up and bring some solutions to the goddamn table? Is it that hard? Because I just fucking figured it out. It took me 36 minutes earlier to find quality test kits, see what the price is. Now, you got to assume there's a 100% markup on those because it's a business. Well, guess what? Emergency youth authorization is just gets thrown around now. This seems like a fucking emergency to me. 80,000 lives gone. Gone. 
You want to look at this and be like, yeah, I'm proud to be an American. And I am proud to be an American. I really am. But that doesn't shield me from being critical of the way that we handle ourselves. And the only way that I can see, the only thing getting in the way of us doing some real substantial, creating some real substantial progress when it comes to this problem is our own fucking arrogance. It's our own arrogance. So if you want to buy a $50 test, for me, I'm going to buy a couple of these tests because guess what? I have the right to explore my own consciousness. So I'm going to buy these tests for myself, for my home, because I have the money to do that. But a lot of people don't. And providing access to things like this and clean needles would do more good than harm. And if you don't see that, then I hate to tell you this, but you're fucking wrong. And that's been proven over and over again. And if you want to look down on addicts and people that struggle, then get the fuck off of my page, turn this shit off, and never listen to it again. Because I don't have any fucking respect for you. And I don't like to attack people, and I don't like to villainize people that are listeners of this show. But I will fucking die on this hill. And it looks like I'll just be one of 100,000. Sorry about that, guys. That was a little bit. <laughs> I take that a little bit personally. Had to cool off there for a second. Um, okay. Whew. <sighs> Fuck. Can't say I'm not passionate about it, I guess. And I'm sure I just lost a few listeners. But that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll replace them with some new ones. But we got some more fun stuff here. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Unvaccinated Marjorie Taylor Greene owns stock in three vaccine companies. <laughs> well, well, well. Extremist congresswoman. And I don't think when it comes to Marjorie Taylor Greene, I don't think it's, uh, it's outside the realm of, of, of discourse to call her an extremist. She kind of is. Claims not to have been vaccinated and insists that she will resist any mandate to receive her shot. Right now I have a serious problem with that because... I'm not vaccinated. And they're going to have a hell of a time if they want to hold me down and give me a vaccine. All I can think about when she says, hold her down and give her, give you the vaccine is the, uh, is the South Park episode where they're trying to get Cartman vaccinated and he's like a pig. (laughs) Josh, see if you can find a clip and put that in here right now. Okay, moving on. So, <laughs> so Marjorie Taylor Greene owns some stock in some vaccine companies. And here's the funny thing. We'll go down here and just see. It's really funny. So according to her disclosure form, she made between $201 and $1,000 from each of the three companies. <laughs> so she compromised. So say she made, uh, let's just say, we'll, we'll say she made $1,500, right? So Marjorie Taylor Greene compromised her integrity for $1,500. <laughs> Now, listen, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was trading some stocks. I knew Pfizer was going to go through the roof, right? Just like Lockheed is going to go through the roof next time we decide to start a war for no fucking reason. It is what it is. It's a way to make money. I also knew that I could have bought BlackRock stock and made money off turning this country into a nation of renters. But I didn't really feel good about that, so I didn't do it. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't do it. What I wanted to do was wait for Pfizer to go to the fucking moon and then short the shit out of it and watch it plummet and make money that way. That's something I could feel good about, right? But Marjorie Taylor Greene, 
with all of this discourse and calls the vaccines the mark of the beast and talks about microchips, I mean, she goes, she goes full sin with the vaccine shit, right? Compromised her integrity for around $1,500. At least Kirsten Cinema required a million dollars of campaign donations to completely turn her back on people that wanted affordable uh, medications, right? At least it was a million dollars. But Marjorie Taylor Greene making money from AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and Johnson and Johnson. For what? To make a to make a few hundred bucks? For fifteen hundred dollars. Wow. That is astonishing. <sighs> they just can't get they can't, they can't they can't they can't not do it. They can't, not, it's like when you get to Congress, maybe I'll be in Congress one day. When you get to Congress, you just can't help them make a little coin. Just can't help them trading stocks in the company. And this is happening. There's these big disclosures on Business Insider we're going to cover, I think, in the first of the year or maybe before New Year's, where it goes through like all the people who have done shady shit, Republicans and Democrats, when it comes to insider trading on insider information that has to do with the committees that they're on and the legislation they make, that they have an undue influence on the stock price of these companies based on regulations, and they also trade stock in those companies. We all know Nancy Pelosi has made millions and millions of dollars allegedly using insider information and just does it brazenly. But the funny thing is about Marjorie Taylor Greene is that she'll do it for $1,500. What a world, what a world. God bless America. Well, looks like it's time for that part of the show where I give you something to think about. And I know I got heated, guys. But I might get heated again. Who knows? We'll see. We'll talk about Democrats now. Let's go. today we're gonna talk about democrats now being somebody who's i guess what equates to being center left now i feel more convicted about criticizing democrats because a lot of my audience is on the left marginally or extremely and i have a lot of conservative audience as well which they get off on this, and I understand. And I don't fault you for it. It's easy to make fun of them. It's also easy to make fun of Republicans. And if you can't make fun of both, and you're in one of the camps, well, you probably need to reevaluate yourself, in my opinion. But that's just me. But what we've seen over the past, let's call it year and a half, mostly the past year, though, it's gotten real heavy, between defund the police, um, lockdowns, relentless mass mandates, masking schools, shutting down schools, kids eating their lunches outdoors in the 20 degree temperatures. And they got their parents got to pack extra clothes so they can have lunchtime outside. 
right? Getting rid of recess, telling people to shelter in place, um, having people at home eating Doritos when what they really need to do is get the fuck outside and move their bodies, right? These kind of ridiculous ideas that have come from the, the modern left. Um, tearing down of statues that had really nothing to do with anything, right? And I understand taking down Civil War uh, Confederate statues, like I'm all for that. Those were usually put up in the Civil Rights era anyways. If you want to have a, a, a Confederate museum and, you know, but fuck Alabama. Who cares? I, I don't care. If white supremacists want to go there and, and worship at the altar of Robert E. Lee, like be my guest. I, it doesn't affect me or really anybody. And you can say it does, but it doesn't. So let's, let's quit pretending. So it is what it is. It's a part of history, which is true. Um, and yeah, we'll leave that alone. But it got a little bit out of hand. Calling riots mostly peaceful, right? Justifying burning down small businesses. What this has done is completely poisoned rational, pragmatic discourse that was coming from the left. And when I say that, let's just start with one, one easy example. Police reform, in my opinion, was a really crucial topic. Was a really crucial topic before George Floyd. Like Eric Garner is a much better case when it comes to an innocent person being killed than George Floyd, in my opinion. It wasn't one cop. It was like four. It was a crazy deal. The guy didn't even do anything wrong. And he had reformed himself. He was, he, he had, he had been, a, he had done some, some, had some criminal behavior when he was a young man, but it turned into a, a person that really uh, was a, was a, a, a quality person in the community that was doing the right things. Took care of his family, gave all the money that he earned to his family, supported people, and he was killed for no reason. And even if he was selling loose cigarettes, which he wasn't at the time, that's not a, a crime punishable by death. And who really gives a fuck, to be honest with you? Right? So there were really some very high quality discussions about police reform. I also think that the police do too many things and they should be more focused on policing and not chasing, you know, Nancy's cat down the fucking road and doing dumb shit like that. Right, I think it's a really important thing that maybe our police budgets don't really further perpetuate the military-industrial complex by buying their leftovers that they overproduce at a reduced price so that we can have now cops that are completely militarized. These are all valuable discussions. And saying, just like uh, Bacha Sargon, the author of Bad News, says, talking about police reform isn't a far-left issue, Right? It's a, it's a down-the-middle, pragmatic issue that needs to be dealt with. We need to deal with qualified immunity. We need to deal with the leverage of the police unions when it comes to uh, having people avoid punishment. We need to deal with the fact that bad cops can just move to a different department or different city and could be completely swept under the rug. We need to deal with the overuse of force. We need to deal with under-training police officers. In my opinion, they need to be seen. 10 to 20% of their time training, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, combat sports, de-escalation training, all kinds of things, human behavior understanding, right? De knowing how to deal with people that, that struggle with addiction, right? These kind of things. How to, how to really de-escalate situations. That is the, the, the best way to save lives in those situations. And sometimes you can't. When somebody's hopped up on PCP and they're trying to fucking stab you in the face, yeah, you got to take lethal action sometimes. I understand that's going to be a part of policing as well. And that's part of the training as well. But police reform is a crucial issue. But now thanks to the defund the police movement, you've made a straw man 
out of what was a rational and pragmatic push from the left that it would have had and could have had bipartisan support, but you poisoned it with your defund the police fucking bullshit. Now we have a situation where a woman's right to choose is directly butted up against your right to send your kids to school. So when it comes to 2022 and the midterms, people are going to be voting on, well, abortion now is not a big issue because I can't go to the goddamn grocery store. So who are they going to they going to return to normalcy now, which is odd to me, but a return to normalcy lies firmly with the Republicans. So what's going to suffer? The thing that women have fought for for decades is the right to choose when they have a child. That is going to be severely damaged thanks to the downstream effects of these overbearing, draconian COVID lockdown measures. You've got a choice between pro-choice and pro-choice. But those two pro-choices are very, very different. (sighs) Appropriate tax reform, workers' rights, all of these things are now poisoned by Democrats and their fucking incompetence and their entitlement. Think about that. Think about how much damage on the periphery the Democrats have done to things that well-meaning people worked decades to make progress in. Decades. And they burned it all down. They burned it all down over self-righteousness and a war against a scary orange guy who tweeted mean things. They couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that they ran somebody in 2016 that was so bad that she got beat by a clown. And in response to that, they lost their shit and destroyed progress. We don't think about the impacts of the last two years in that that framework very often. But the amount of progress is going to be lost, one, from people who really put in a lot of work and created small businesses that then got burned to the ground, metaphorically or literally. So there's that. But these other things, these ancillary things, try, try and run. Try and run on police reform now as a Democrat or as anybody. doesn't matter. You're now a part of the defund the police movement. That stupid name. It's like, can you not understand basic branding exercises? Like George W. Bush and Dick Cheney had that shit on, on lockdown. That's why global warming is now climate change. And the, and the estate tax turned into a death tax. <laughs> it's not that fucking hard. And I feel for the people who put their life on the line and committed themselves to making progress in these areas because all of them have now been disrespected and belittled 
by the actions of the modern Democratic Party. So think about that. What things from the left, productive, and don't tell me there was anything productive coming from the left, because if you do that, you're a bad faith actor, and you know that's not true. Because liberals, liberals used to be pro-freedom. They really did. It was a different time. But liberal principles, especially outside the United States, are more civil libertarian in many ways. And the fear around Trump being an authoritarian has led to left-wing authoritarianism. It was a con job and a hack job. And the progress that's been made is now diminished thanks to self-righteous fucks who can't see the forest for the trees. It's sad. And it's frustrating. But that is the modern Democratic Party. Thank you guys for being here. Sorry if that uh, fentanyl bit was... um, a bit of a downer, but it's hard to make that uh, anything other than a downer. Join the Patreon, support our sponsors, you know all the things. Links are in the show notes for all of it. Grateful you're here. Keep your head on straight over the holidays. We'll see you one more time before 2022. I fucking love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.